Hey kids, welcome back for season two of Here for the Booze. And as always, I am your host, Jax. It's been quite the break for me. It's been nice to collect my thoughts on this season and prepare a little more. Last season, I just kind of jumped right the fuck in and I'm grateful for that. But now it's time to be an adult and not be so scattered. But I'm just scattered anyway. (laughs) Procrastinating is definitely a reason why I took a little break was because I'm not really great. I don't, well, I'm fine under pressure. I get things done, but I don't really love it. So (laughs) I try to plan ahead. I was definitely that kid in high school and college and stuff that had their projects done early and even my tests done early. So yeah. Oh, if you hear anything weird, I'm sorry. My dog is in the room because she's crazy. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about Candyman, both the vinyl and the movie. Yes, you heard that right. I do own the vinyl now. And tonight I'm just drinking my regular vodka soda, except this time it's cranberry lime and not raspberry lime. You know, switching it up. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to it. So grab your drink and let's go. Candyman uh, came out in 1992. Definitely was very young when this came out. So, yeah, definitely very young. Tony Todd plays Candyman. Virginia Madsen plays Helen. It was directed by Bernard Rose, based on the story by Clive Barker. Bernard Rose actually has a small role in this, and he's Archie Walsh. Casey Lemons plays Bernadette, and she's also Ardelia in Silence of the Lambs, which came out before this, which is weird to think, because I always thought that Silence of the Lambs was later, but it's 1991. Xander Berkeley plays Trevor. He's in so much stuff. He plays, like, the stepdad in Terminator 2, or the foster dad, whatever he is. He's in everything. He's in Air Force One. He's the bad guy that works with the president that, like, stays on the plane at the end. Yeah, I'm gross, and I know all this. Vanessa Williams plays Anne-Marie, which is such a trip because I just got into the OG Melrose place from the 90s and she plays Rhonda in the first season and only the first, well, maybe the, yeah, she's only in first, the first one. So it's a total like 90s trip. And this is the Vanessa Williams, a different one than Colors of the Wind, Pocahontas, Vanessa Williams, different Vanessa Williams. Anyway. It's adapted uh, from the Clive Barker story called The Forbidden. And it's, you know, it starts out with Helen being fascinated by what she's supposed to be afraid of. And so was this white woman who fell in love with Candyman's character back in, you know, the days of slavery. He's a black slave's son raised with privilege because his father had come up with this genius invention and it allowed him money and stature within the community but that privilege ended until it interfered with this other family and he got this you know wealthy white girl pregnant he was a painter who did portraits of the rich and he ended up painting her and falling for her but they were both young so you know it happens (laughs) as revenge his hand is cut off in a hook in its stump and then he was like doused in honey and died of, like, multiple bee stings. I mean, it was just horrible. I can't even imagine, like, being conscious and having your hand cut off and then throwing probably a rusted hook in it. Like, not gonna lie, this thing wasn't doused in alcohol or anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, there was no sterilization of anything during this. But the bee stings, it just that just is cruel, you know? 
that's just cruel. So this is just an awful, sad part of American history, unfortunately. Not that this story is true, but it's probably not far off from a lot of things that have happened, unfortunately. Helen has this thesis research paper on urban legends and becomes engrossed with the Candyman legend once people start talking about it more. They interview students seeing which legends the students tell and Candyman, like I said, just keeps getting brought up. And she's just even more interested, even though she thinks it's completely fake. You know, some of the ones that they mention are the baby alligators being flushed down the toilet. You know, man in the car that slashes your ankles or your Achilles tendon. Bloody Mary was definitely one that I did in elementary school. I remember, like, shutting out the lights in the girls' bathroom and doing it. Like, there was this one bathroom specifically that I remember we would do it in. And it was, like, a long walk. Like, it was almost like a catwalk to the bathroom stalls. And I remember, like, running, like, because to shut off the light, the switch was all the way at the door. So it was, like, wicked scary to do it in this bathroom. And, of course, we did it there. It's crazy, kids. You know, the Curse of the Bambino with the Red Sox, the Yankees. That's an urban legend because much as you want to say it, like, it's just not true. The Red Sox just sucked all those years. <laughs> Let's just face it. They just sucked. You know, and then the other one of the babysitter and the man upstairs. The spider bike on the cheek full of babies and they're like erupts. You know, what's up from the scary stories to tell in the dark. I definitely remember reading those books as a kid and those drawings are just incredibly creepy and perfect at the same time. Anyway, this hunt for urban legends in this paper and Candyman eventually leads her to Cabrini Green Housing, which is the projects in Chicago. It's a real, this is a real, or was, excuse me, this was a real place. And this is a place where it's lots of gangs and lots of, you know, seedy people in town that this is what they're showing you. And they don't trust her. These people are, think that they're cops and... You know, some people will tell tell her th- some things, but for the most part, she's they're not perceived well. She doesn't believe, like I said, at what anybody has told her until she looks up one specific person, Ruthie Jean, um, and how she was murdered. So then she starts to suspect, like, well, this woman didn't just get shot or anything. She was sliced. You know, she specifically asked how she was murdered. So she kind of figured, like, if that's in the police report, then... There's no denying that something something off happened here. She also looks into the backstory of Candyman and finds out that that story is quote unquote true. She kind of learns some things and, you know, she has some great resources at her fingertips. So she's able to kind of, you know, find out that this wasn't really just a story. It actually did happen. Then all of a sudden, as she's getting engrossed in all of this, Candyman starts to stalk Helen and drive her crazy pretty much. Framing her for murdering people and stealing a resident of Cabrini Green's baby. You know, watching this, you feel the deep, dirty racism that America has and how it ties into Cabrini Green. You know, it's it's a really interesting way that this is portrayed. You know, I didn't grow up in any kind of city life like this. So to me, this is stereotypical you know what I mean this is quote-unquote what I would expect when somebody says this does it mean that it's right no absolutely not but this is how this movie was laid out and unfortunately it's you know the past of what has happened in America is unfortunately true so it kind of stems into these you know stories and perception and and life you know what I mean so it's 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 crazy how deeply rooted this story really was 
because where he died was where Cabrini Green was built. So that's why this all kind of comes full circle-ish. But Helen's husband, he's so gross and like unfaithful when she's going through all this crap. You know, he's not attractive, like, but what the fuck? He just like, you know, moves his spring chicken of a girlfriend in and paints the place fucking pink. Like, what the hell was going on? Like, what were they thinking? You know, I don't want to, you know, go scene by scene in this movie, but I I did just want to talk about the husband because I feel like, unfortunately, he is a villain in this. He totally doesn't side with his wife. You know, he goes against her and he's cheating on her in the background. Like, he's just gross. You know, the ending is really what I love about this movie. You know, Trevor gets his and she becomes part of the legend. I think that that was very interesting to make that the ending they could have elaborated more and said oh you know she became you know whatever but I just loved that he just ended up dying and that's it and his new girlfriend screaming and then roll credits you know I just thought that that was effective you know because you started out the movie kind of hearing Tony Todd's voice and then hearing somebody tell the story of him so you hear it's you know this movie was just laid out very nicely, in my opinion. I know it probably got a lot of flack back in the 90s, like all fucking movies did from Siskel and goddamn Ebert. They just ripped apart movies because they're pretentious snobs. You know, I bet nowadays if they were reviewing movies, I think they would be like shitting their pants, <laughs> especially for horror ones. Like, could you imagine if Siskel... I don't I mean, maybe they did or maybe whichever one's still alive. Maybe he does have an opinion about the Saw movies, but... I just, I feel like the skinny one was the one that was the, like, the, the the really harsh one. Or maybe it was the fat one. Doesn't matter. Their opinions don't matter because they were definitely wrong about a lot of movies. And I think that if you're only going to look at the violence, then you're missing, like, that's not what the movies, that's not how, that's not how movies get made. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a plot. Like, nobody would make movies that are just violent, you know? That's like, that's like a waste of money. (laughs) You know, this movie was written by a bunch of white people. And in the special features of this, they definitely point that out immediately. You know, there's people interviewing, talking about how, like I was saying earlier, it was a stereotypical view of Cabrini Green. And they pointed out some thoughts that I, I actually did not ever think And one of them was that, you know, the black man is the bad guy. And sure, on surface, that's that's a true statement. But that's not a statement that I carried into other people. You know what I'm saying? I never, you know, we don't have to, I don't have to, you know, I don't, I don't want to need to get into that. But, you know, that's, that's not how I walked out of this. You know, I walked out of this thinking like, wow, we're terrible people as white people. And we started this, you know, for me, the racism part, um, was what I came out of like, damn it. Like if we didn't fucking do that to him and we weren't as, you know, naive and dumb and, you know, whatever back then, we wouldn't be here talking about this, this now mythical man, you know what I mean? So I just, you know, I really, I really want to emphasize that, you know, this, as much as this movie I do like, I really am disappointed that There was not more input from the black community or anything like that. I know that they did use some real gang members, um, locals and things like that. But as far as 
Like, I don't really think that her Bernadette should have died. I really wish she didn't. I wish Trevor died earlier. <laughs> but that's all right. That's okay. Like I said, I still like the ending. But I wish Bernadette didn't die. I kind of, I kind of, I don't know. I feel like it would have been a little more interesting if, if he started to seduce Bernadette for some reason to then kill Helen so that he could get Helen that way. You know what I mean? And let Bernadette go to jail or I don't know. I don't, I don't really want Bernadette to get in trouble, but... You know, I just think that they could have done something a little bit different to not make it all about the white people, you know, and that's why I'm super excited. And the reason why I'm talking about it right now is for the new one when it comes out. Jordan's Peel take on Candyman, which is supposed to come out this year, but they have not released the date. So we'll see. But that this new version, I'm I'm more excited to see what they're going to bring to the table because I hope that they lay it on nice and thick. You know what I mean? Get Out was real thick with, you know, racism and it's just in your face and and that I can appreciate. You know what I mean? I can appreciate what that story was trying to tell. Same thing with us. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to it because I like this one so much. So I'm interested to see what kind of twist they're going to put on it. Um, make it a little more real, make it a little more 2021, if you will. But at the same time, like, doing the right things this time that weren't done the first time. You know what I'm saying? With the people behind the camera and behind the scenes. So, you know, definitely excited about that. But I just wanted to add that little tidbit in because I think it's easy to not realize that, or that this movie was made, you know, by white people, unfortunately. But there's nothing we can change in the past except learn from it and learn that you shouldn't be making movies that way, you know, and you should be incorporating a lot more diverse crew, diverse thoughts, all of that. Everything needs to be way more diverse. You know, with all the reboots that are occurring recently and over the last 20 years or so, thankfully they have evolved uh, in a positive way, you know, like I was saying. So, um, um, you know, I can only imagine this story getting deeper and much more real than its predecessor. So I'm definitely excited. And I don't, I, I don't, I'm not positive if Tony Todd is involved in the new one. I try not to watch trailers or find out too much information until it gets a little bit closer, which you'd think I'd just not want to watch it when it gets closer, but I'm weird. And I feel like some trailers are just so long that you see too much and then you see the whole movie. You know, I definitely noticed that about, you know, 10 years ago, just trailers were just too crazy, too much. They told too much. Give me the vague trailer. Make me want to go see more. You know what I'm saying? So I, I have no idea if he's in it, but, you know, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. You know, and I just, I love his voice and how he hypnotizes Helen, his demeanor. It's just, it's all on point, you know. And Helen does admit, or excuse me, Virginia Madsen does admit that she kind of was a little hypnotized when, you know, they're doing those scenes of him, you know, not by Tony Todd, I think the director was, ended up doing it somehow, which I thought was a little creepy, but you know, she, she never, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear her talk about this role in those feature, in those special features. I thought it was really great and she was really proud of it. And it's cool how proud all of the people were to make this movie and still are, you know, it's, it's really, you know, nerd alert, you know, it's really cool to, to see that, that pride that comes out of these people, no matter what others say about the movie, you know what I mean? You know, it's really crazy to think that the guy who created Hellraiser, you know, so what, that came out like 86 or four or something like that also came up with this story, you know, it's such, just such a beautiful story as is Hellraiser, well, 
painfully beautiful, I guess, you know, but it's Christy looking for her dad and losing her family to this desire her uncle like needed or whatever. And here you have this movie of Candyman, whether it's seeking revenge or finding his love, it's a little bit of both, you know, it's, it's all about love, you know? So it's, it's crazy that both of these stories are so deeply rooted in family values you know but at the same time Candyman goes deeper than hellraiser does obviously this movie just i feel like what captured me firstly was definitely you know the music and that's why i needed the vinyl and it's funny so when i i had to search for this because you can't just like go buy this on tower records or waxwork or mondo you know what i'm saying like i had to literally like search for this and the vendor that sold it, I'm pretty sure, like, if you found, if you search for it right now, you could buy it. But anyway, there's not that many of these. So the fact that I could still find one, I was surprised unless they did, a, unless they did do a repress. But either, I don't care. I got a copy, so it doesn't matter to me. This one is double-sided, just one. And when I got it, it's funny because the box looked much smaller. And these are, like, 12 by 12 size cases for them you know the the sleeves and I got nervous because I was like oh my god did I just get fucking ripped off did I just order a fucking Barbie vinyl or like a doll size vinyl I'm like son of a so I got like wicked like mad at myself the price was like in line with other vinyls so I was just like damn it Jackie you got duped but then like I opened the package and I and it was light too so that's why I got worried I'm like shit it's not even damn it fucking Barbie's vinyl but then I opened it and I'm like, oh my God, it is here. It's just that the, the envelope is so much thinner than my waxwork ones. And like, there's not even like any artwork inside. It's not even a fold open. It's just a sleeve. So it's like really basic. But the press is incredible. It's like yellow and black and it looks like a bumblebee jacket. Like be, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. Definitely a really, really great job of you know, doing like a little splatter, you know, I, I like the B theme that they, that they kept up with this, you know, you know, and a funny story about this movie, I don't remember the first time I saw it. Um, but I do, what I do remember is being in like fifth grade and I got invited to a sleepover and these are like the popular girls. And I remember they were like, oh yeah, we should watch another scary movie. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that you know, flashbacks to scream are coming. I'm like, (laughs) but I was just like, you know, well, what movie, you know, and they were giggling about like whatever movie they had watched the last sleepover that I either didn't go to or wasn't invited more than likely wasn't invited, but they were talking about it and they talked about watching Candyman. And then I remember they described, what was the scene? I think it was the, the scene with Bernadette getting killed and I remember that because that's kind of a scary part in the movie. It's climaxing at that point for the movie. And I remember them saying that she was gutted, ripped open. And, you know, when when you're 11, you know what I mean? Like, that's a lot. That's a lot. So I was just like, what? And I definitely, definitely had a vivid imagination growing up. Abso-fucking-lutely. So here I am trying to eat my damn lunch and I'm you know, imagining this woman like sliced up the middle and I'm just like, I don't know if I want to sleep over at this fucking crazy person's house (laughs) because I'm like, I'm not watching anything like that. Shit. 
And I definitely, I feel like they did put on a scary movie, but I might have just fallen asleep and said, screw it. I really can't remember because I know that I did sleep at her house after that. Uh, but I really don't know if maybe they did watch it and maybe that was one of the first times I had seen it. Cause, you know, maybe they put, I don't know. But either way, I definitely remember being exposed to it. And then, you know, seeing the cover as a kid walking by, you know, being in the rental place. So that was kind of always like, why, what's with the bees? Like, you know, I remember thinking like, oh my God, are we, is this person, is this just about bees attacking people? Cause I don't think I could do that. But you know, I, I hope that, you know, if you've seen the movie that, you know, you understand, you know, some of the things that I was trying to convey because I don't want, you know, I didn't, like I said, I didn't want to just go scene by scene in the movie because I'm pretty sure this is a movie that most people have seen. And if you haven't, why are you listening? No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Go watch it, you know, because I didn't really spoil too much except the end. But you should see it happen because I didn't really go into, you know, I didn't talk about too many kills. But, you know, the whole movie, the way the music is and, you know, that's why I needed the vinyl. You can you can feel a lot of what's happening. You know, this one, this this vinyl, especially listening to it when I got it, I was just like, wow, this just sounds so good. <laughs> And it's much more powerful than just hearing it in the movie. Because there's no, you're not looking at anything. At least you're not looking at what's happening. So for some people, you can feel the music a little differently. But anyway. But yeah, so I hope that this episode, nice and quick one to ease you back into listening to me. (laughs) I hope that you enjoyed it. And I hope that... I don't know if it'll be out, so if I'm spoiling anything, I apologize, but I'm on somebody else's podcast uh, talking about horror, why I like it. It's kind of a little more candid conversation between me and this other great podcaster that I've met online. Like, I've met so many awesome people. It's called the Who's There podcast, and I'm not positive when she's going to release it. I think it's probably about the same time that I'm restarting this season. So definitely I'll be sure to put it in my stories when she releases it and, you know, definitely make sure you're following me. And, you know, I'm, I'm just thankful that people do want to listen to me. So I appreciate that. I hope that this episode wasn't too quick for anybody also. Cause like I said, I, I don't want to just talk about the whole thing, but you know, if there are any questions people have that they want me to answer or anything, please shoot me a message on Instagram. Make sure you're following me. I have another vinyl to, to sh- a couple of vinyls to share. Uh, I have another Freddy photo shoot. Uh, if you haven't checked out the first one, I have another one. Pictures coming out. The shoot's done. Uh, I did that this weekend. Um, but when this comes out, the pictures are definitely you know when you're listening to this, they should be out already. I had to try my hand at some special effects, which is really interesting and. Yeah, I learned a lot. Now I know why like liquid latex is needed. So let's just say never again without it. <laughs> I'll definitely invest in it. So, but anyway, that's going to do it for the first episode of season two. I'm here for the booze. Like I said, thank you so much for joining me as I find my way around this podcast. And I'm going to leave you with a, with this quote from Clive Barker. Gather experience. Look at what you should not look at. A feeling of anxiety is the sure and certain evidence that you should do this. Good night, kids.